Good morning. Good morning and welcome to chapel. My name is Anna Yoder and I'm serving as the chapel assistant helping Bob and Tamara plan chapels this year. And this morning we want to extend a special welcome to uh, pastors and church representatives from this area that are with us this morning. So I just ask those, um, those people to stand right now just so we can acknowledge you here with us. We also, along with that, want to extend a special welcome to Jeremy Kempf, who is the music pastor at LifeSpring Community Church here in Goshen, and he, along with some others, will be leading us in singing later. Today we continue to explore our theme of being transformed by Christ. The banner that represents our theme, which you see behind us, was made by Seijin Lee, and a little bit later we'll hear her share with us the story of Jesus changing water into wine and how that connects to the image that you see behind you. Then Bob Yoder, one of our campus pastors, will also be sharing about that story, um, or based on that text, focusing on turning, the turning of water into wine as the transformation of the ordinary into the extraordinary. So as we enter this time of worship, I light this oil lamp in front of me as a sign of God's presence among us. Let's pray. Oh God, we come seeking you in our worship together. We come to you for truth, because we are untrue. We come to you for strength, because we are weak. We come to you for wisdom, because we are unwise. Move here in our midst. Show us your truth, your strength, and your wisdom. Through our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So I invite Jeremy and others to come forward now. I invite you to take out your Mennonite hymnal and turn to page number 89. Number 89. We're not going to do this exactly as written, so just follow us if you don't mind. Alright, let's sing. For the beauty of the earth, for the glory of the skies, for the love which from our birth over and around. Our hymn of grateful praise. 
This next one, I uh, invite you to stand with us. And uh, David, if you want to go ahead and get the, the rhythm going on this. This is called Montagna. It's a fun one. I promise you're going to enjoy it. Well, hopefully anyway. I guess I can't promise that. It's up to you ultimately. But on the chorus, there's a part where we're going to do a call and response. And I'll take the leader part, and you guys sing with Ashley and David here on the response. So, all right, ready, Dave? One, two, three, four. Si tuvieras fe como grano de mostaza, eso lo dice el Señor. Si tuvieras fe como grano de mostaza, eso lo dice el Señor. Tú le dirías a la montaña, muévete, muévete. Tú le dirías a la montaña. Muévete, muévete. Esa montaña se moverá. Se moverá, se moverá. 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 Si tuvieras fe como grano de mostaza, eso lo dice el Señor. Si tuvieras fe como grano de mostaza, eso lo dice el Señor. Tú le dirías a la montaña, muévete, muévete. Tú le dirías a la montaña, muévete, muévete. Esa montaña se moverá, se moverá, se moverá. 
Esa montaña se moverá, esa montaña se moverá, esa montaña se moverá, esa montaña se Go ahead and put your hands together on this one. Strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord. Wait upon the Lord. We will wait upon the Lord. Strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord. Wait upon the Lord. We will wait upon the Lord our God. Those in need, you lift us up. 
God, thank you that you love each and every one of us. Lord, you always were, and you always will be. And we can trust in that, God. Thank you for being a God that's big enough to handle our questions. And you love us anyway. Thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can have a seat. Good morning. I'll be reading from John 2, verses 1 through 11 from the NRSV translation. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine gave out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what concern is that to you and to me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Now standing there were six stone water jars for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30, 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to them, fill the jars with water, and they filled them up to the brim. He said to them, now draw some out and take it to the chief steward. So they took it. When the steward tasted the water that had become wine and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the steward called the bridegroom and said to him, everyone serves the good wine first and then the inferior wine after the guests have become drunk. But you, you have kept the good wine until now. Jesus did this, the first of his signs, in Cana of Galilee, and revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. As Anna mentioned earlier, my name is Sejin Lee. I'm a senior at Goshen College and um, double majoring in Bible, religion, and art. And this summer, I had the privilege of creating the banner you see behind displayed. Um, for this year's chapel with the theme, Transformed by Christ. There is an old-time Korean Sunday school song that talks about this miraculous incident of water changing into wine at the wedding of Cana. The song goes like this. You all understood, right? <laughs> the rough translation would be, would be something like this. Jesus spoke and water changed into one, wine. Jesus spoke and water changed into wine. Jesus, Jesus, speak to me. Newly, newly, I will change too. When I, when I was brainstorming in the process of making this banner, 
And this somewhat cheesy old-time Sunday school song came to my mind. While this song isn't wrong in telling the story of Jesus turning water into wine, I realized upon closer reading of today's text that the song leaves out an important pr progression that happens repeatedly in today's scripture passage. In the scripture passage, Jesus said to them, meaning the servants, fill the jar with water, and they did. And later again, Jesus said to them, now draw some out and take it to the chief steward. And so they did. And later it says that the chief steward tasted the water that had become wine. Jesus speaks, and the servants act upon Jesus' instructions. While the Gospel John simply writes, Jesus said to them, and they, the servants, did it. I have to wonder if that's really how smoothly, smoothly this process of changing water into wine really happened. Imagine yourself as among the servants who have been hosting the guests for a long time and have been noticing that the bottom of the wine jar is appearing fast. Oh, oh no. What do we do? You and your fellow servants are at the verge of panic. People are not going to leave this feast anytime soon, and we're almost out of, what, we're out? Okay, shoot, we're out of wine. Then this young guy named Jesus comes and speaks. Fill the jar with water. I can only imagine how much fussing and questioning would have happened among the sermons. Who is this guy? Are you nuts? Fill the jars with water? The disciple John doesn't say why the servants did as Jesus told them to do, other than the fact that Jesus' mother had told them earlier that they should do whatever Jesus tells them to do. Maybe Jesus' mother was a respectable person of authority. Maybe she was scary, and you better do as she says or else you'll get yelled at. Maybe the servants had already done everything they could and filling up the jars with water was their last resort. Maybe they concluded that it would be better to serve some water than to serve no drink at all. I don't know. In any way, they do, perhaps somewhat grudgingly, they do fill up the jars with water up to the brim. And now draw some out and take it to the chief steward. Jesus says to them again, and so, they look at each other, and they took it. Now, the text doesn't clarify at what precise moment did this water change into wine, but it simply says that the steward tasted the water that had become wine and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. The servants knew. The servants who had just been questioning who had just been fussing around about this water, changing water, pouring it into the jars, who, has, who had been asking, why on earth is filling the jars with water going to help us? They knew that the water had changed into wine because they have joined, whether knowingly or unknowingly, they have joined in the process of this miraculous transformation. The words in this banner, transformed in Christ, 
represents the mysterious, life-transforming, and at times strange and seemingly questionable words that Jesus speaks to us that is beyond our expectation and imagination. The water that is poured down with the letters represents our action of joining in and following those precisely mysterious and at times rather strange words of Christ. The churning, mixing, and splashing of water and wine shown in the bottom then represents the energy, the power, and life that is present when Christ's words and teachings join with our actions and with our lives. I pray that each one of us this semester may too join in this strange and mysterious invitation of Christ and live the life of Christ's transformation. This very ordinary piece of lumber with a weird-looking light bulb in it came from my family farm. About 12 years ago, tornadoes ravaged through southwestern Pennsylvania, where I lived. And lots of devastation, and our farm got ripped apart. What was more painful during that time for me was the loss of a 15-year-old niece and a brother-in-law as secondary results of those tornadoes. And at the time, I was pastoring a small church in that region. And people from that church were out of my farm, where my parents still lived, cleaning up. And so Alan came up to me and said, Bob, look what I found. Way down there. This thing was found about 300 yards away from where our barn was. And in that moment of intense heaviness over those couple of days, there was this kind of divine humor. We looked at this thing and realized this light bulb was still intact after being tossed around by a tornado. I realized that day that divine humor can be a very transformative thing and give hope in the midst of not so hopeful times. And so I keep this trinket in my office. And I keep other trinkets um, in my office that remind me of the ordinary become extraordinary. This uh, singing bowl was made by a Goshen College student a number of years ago from an artillery shell that he found in the fields of Vietnam. This little willow tree figurine of a father holding a little one reminds me of my wonderful joy of being a father to Josiah and Mira and the transformation that that brings. And this Bob Avenue sign, I just think it's funny, so I have to <laughs> In the story of when Jesus attended the wedding, we see some very ordinary water jars that were intended for their own particular purpose. And we can assume that those very ordinary water jars did their job very well. They held water. But in this story, these ordinary vessels had their own transformative encounter. They played a part in the very first miracle that Jesus did in the Gospel of John. Last week in chapel, Tamara declared this year as the year of the worm. I'm waiting for the banner hanging across her door here any day now. But reminding us of what happens below the surface is important. 
She used the metaphor of composting as a spiritually transformative work in progress. The soil, the worms, the moisture, what is fed into the composting process are all very important. Transformation can happen in those extraordinary events like the Apostle Paul getting blinded by light and and all of that. But she reminded us that it can also happen in the mundane, the ordinary, the not so glamorous happenings. Particularly when you consider that really good compost is really just worm waste. As college students, no doubt this time in your life is ripe for transformative moments. You may be faced with questions about life and faith that you have never asked before or never faced before, and it may be unsettling to you. You might experience significant heartaches and losses and unknowns that are quite unsettling to you. You'll likely ask yourself questions of, who am I? What do I believe? What do I want to be about in this life? And it may be unsettling to you. You may be faced with needing to make some choices here at a Christian college that you never expected to have to make at a Christian college. And it may be unsettling to you. As you grow into becoming an independent person, who was once and maybe still very dependent on your parents, this maturing process may be unnerving. And so in those unsettling times, how do you live life? How do you manage to have a sense of being settled in the midst of unsettlement? Over the years, I've been struck by a particular comment that I've heard from college students and others, too, in life say, particularly as it involves faith and the church. I just don't want to go through the motions. I want a real deep faith experience. And often it's said as to why they are not going to a particular church anymore or why they've stopped engaging this particular faith activity or group of friends or people or whatever anymore. And though I can certainly appreciate the yearning for a transcendent faith experience that makes us feel like we're on some faithy cloud nine, which can be good, I have to wonder if God still moves when we simply go through the motions. In this passage of John, I wonder if Jesus went through the motions of attending this wedding. Have you ever attended a wedding? And of course, it's a very special day for the bride and the groom, and it's a good thing. But you're sitting there in the wedding service, the reception, smiling, being nice, doing what we guests do, but realizing I've done this before, nothing real special. I wonder what's going to happen in my life tomorrow. Oh, I got this to do. We just kind of go through the motions. There are no indications in this passage that this was going to be Jesus' coming out party. That this is when he'd announced to the world, Hey folks, I'm the Messiah. Come follow me. In fact, the scripture indicates quite the opposite. It was his mother who pushed him into conducting his first miracle. And listen to this humorous exchange in the scriptures. When the wine gave out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what concern is that to you and to me? My hour has not come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. 
Mary didn't get into a tit-for-tat argument with her son about, yeah, it is your hour and time, now go do it. She just told the servants, go do what my boy asks you to do. Kind of like a mama bird pushing her little baby out of the nest for the first time who hasn't flown yet. The ordinary wedding in which may have been going through the motions like other weddings that Jesus had attended became an extraordinary happening for Jesus. As I look back in my life over the last 12 years, I've been involved in some practices that at times have very much felt like I've just gone through the motions. For the past 12 years, I've met monthly with a spiritual director who we walk together and basically it's, it's about my journey with God and he asked me those kinds of questions. For the past 10 years, my wife Pamela and I have been part of a small group that focuses on support, prayer, singing, and laughter. For the last nine years, I've been uh, meeting with a group of five, six other guys at IHOP, International House of Pancakes, where we eat breakfast, share our life's journeys, and we pray for each other. And this happens at about six in the morning, every other Wednesday morning. Not all of my spiritual direction sessions or times with small group or at 6 a.m. meeting with these guys is all that extraordinary. In fact, a lot of times we just go through the motions of doing what it is that we're doing. But as I reflect on each of those three experiences being involved in the last 9, 10, and 12 years, I can recall many extraordinary moments that happened for them, for me, simply because we showed up. Because we made this commitment to each other and to God a priority. Transformation can happen like in the process of composting. It's below the surface and takes time. And similarly, I believe there is something to be said for engaging in faith disciplines because it's only in looking back does one realize the transformative impact that those experiences have had over time. A pianist spends many hours in practice only to realize the importance of those many practice sessions when they've performed a masterpiece. An athlete realizes the importance of certain repetitive drills in practice and those countless hours when it matters most in game time situations. What are those ordinary practices that you are involved in that will help you through those unsettling times? I have some ideas of what I think you should be doing or should consider doing that will help you grow in your faith and in those times of unsettlement. And to get a handle on this, I'd like to share with you what I call an XYZ approach. The horizontal X-axis is bisected by the Y-axis, which is then bisected by the Z-axis that's coming out. The X, the horizontal line, describes the importance of developing a close group of friends who will be there for you, call you to spiritual accountability, lift you up when the clouds seem to heavily press down on you, that you can be there for them. So get involved in a small group. Take advantage of the camaraderie of your fellow athletes, of your floor mates, of those that are living in your house or apartment or wherever it is. Engage in spiritual friendship with somebody. Seek out the ministry leaders that are living in your floors or in the apartments. Engage in good spiritual chat with people. 
That's the x-axis. A couple of years ago, I heard a friend of mine who was in his 50s describe that when he first came to Goshen College, he stopped going to church his first semester. And in a second semester science lab, one of his friends came up to him and said, hey, I think you need to come with me to this Bible study thing, small group thing that we have. And he did, and he stayed with it for three and a half years. And so then many decades later, looking back, he sees how just simply being involved in that way with a group of friends helped to shape and change his life for the future. The y-axis, the vertical line, calls us to nurture our personal relationship with God. Perhaps this is the most challenging to nurture and feed. In the midst of a busy life here at a Christian campus, it can be easy to take for granted our relationship with God. Be a person of prayer and worship. Take advantage of the variety of worship opportunities that are here on campus. Chapel, Taze, Midweek Faith, Midnight Worship, Voices in Harmony, and so forth. And there's a lot of things that you all do that just kind of spring up wherever. In campus ministries, we have a prayer book located at different places on campus that describe different prayer practices that you might consider. I recall the words of a student who graduated from here just a couple of years ago um, describe how important it was for her to connect to a local church community during her four years, even though many of her friends were skeptical about faith and disengaged faith and church stuff. And even though she shared many of these skepticisms, Being part of a local worshiping community outside of Goshen College immensely shaped her and helped her, particularly through the unsettlement. I encourage yourselves to involve, to be involved in a local church, even if at times it feels like you're simply going through the motions. And finally, Z, the line jettisoning out represents the external, the going out of ourselves, the putting of our faith into action. Celebrate Service Day is coming up in a few short weeks, and that'll be a good time to get involved for one day in the Goshen area. However, I encourage each of you to consider engaging in the Goshen community for a few hours as a lunch buddy in one of the local schools. There's a variety of service opportunities here that you can be involved in. That's something I did during graduate years. I was a lunch buddy for somebody for two and a half years in, uh, with a little um, eighth grader, and seventh grader. It was very, very helpful as I did the heady theological graduate work stuff, and then to be engaged with somebody like that. It was very helpful. X, Y, Z. Take ownership of how you will work at nurturing your faith as a student. Take advantage of the college community that you have around you, and take advantage of the opportunities that are here at this time in your life. invite you to join us in this sending song. It's called Use Us, Lord, As We Go.
those in doubt and fear. Give us time to hear their stories. Let us be your ears. Use us, Lord, as we go. Let us represent your as we are. Bless our hands, Lord, above. May they carry out your love. May they reach to all our neighbors, reach to them in love. Use us, Lord, as we go. Let us represent your love, even though we're far from perfect, use us as we After we close in prayer, I'd invite you to take this chance to mingle a bit with the church representatives and pastors that are here, um, engage with them, uh, maybe get to meet a few new people. But let's pray together. Lord, use us as we go from this place. Help us to see the ways that you are working among us, and let us represent your love to all that we meet. Amen. Go in peace. <laughs>